If originally the personae of the novel were unusual, gifted people, the opposite could be noted as the European novel began to decline. The ordinary man became the hero and the center of gravity shifted to social motivation. That is, society made its appearance as a character participating in the action, as for example, in Balsic or Zola. Hello, I'm Petra Vernon, and you're listening to Mostly Essays. Today, we have a look at a, a collection of selected essays that are actually translations by Sidney Monas. And today, we'll have a look at the translation written, uh, taken from Osip Mandelstam's writings. Osip, uh, is noted for being uh, one of, to be among four or five of the greatest um, Russian poets in of the 20th century. He died anonymously in 1938 in a Siberian transit camp. Uh, the essays in this volume presented are presented in a scrupulous way with true translation. Uh, since Mandelstam was a word lover, uh, though translator Monaz here has tried to apply that same sort of reverent care and precision and precision in rendering him. And in the process, he achieves something very much like Mandelstam's line, hard, lapidary, severely wrought, and yet full of emotive power and intellectual fire. And what's more, he has done this without sacrificing either the densely metaphorical richness or the conciseness that's taken altogether here in the essence of the writer's style, Mandelstam's style. The translator, Professor Monaz, uh, combines the virtues of both the critical essay here and detaches scholarship, keeping the biographical detail to a minimum. Uh, Professor Monez uh, concentrates on the pattern that runs through the essays and lends them that coherence often noted in Mandelstam's poetry. So today we'll have a look at the translation of Osip's Mandelstam's essay entitled the end of the novel. What distinguishes the novel from the long story, the chronicle, the memoir, or any other prose form is that it is a composed, self-enclosed, extensive narrative complete in itself about the lot of a single person or a whole group of people, saints' lives for all their working out of the fabula, that is a story or folklore genre of the fable, were not novels because they lacked worldly interest in the life story of their characters, illustrating instead some shared ideal. But the Greek story and Daphnis and Chloe is considered the first European novel because this kind of interest appears there as a motive force independent independently for the first time. Over a long period of time, the novel form went on developing and gathered strength as it became the art of interesting the reader and the fate of individuals. 
as it does this, the art comes to fruition in two directions. Compositional technique turns in turns biography into a fabula, that is, into a dialectical, intelligible narrative, and coinciding with the appearance of the fabula, another aspect of the novel develops of an auxiliary nature, essentially the art of a psychological motivation. The quattrocento storytellers and the scent novels, new bills, confine themselves in their use of motivation to the juxtaposition of external situations. And this made their stories exceptionally dry and elegantly light and diverting. Novelist psychologists like Feldberg and Bill Goncourts turned all their attention to psychological grounding at the expense of the fabula and handled this problem brilliantly, converting what had been an auxiliary device into a self-sustaining art. Right up to our own days, the novel has been a central and urgent necessity, the form that summed up European art. For example, Manon Lescott, Werther, Anna Karenina, David Copperfield, Madame Bovary, were events in social life as much as they were artistic events. They produced in contemporaries who looked at themselves in the mirror of the novel a massive self-knowledge and resulted in imitation on a grand scale as contemporaries adapted themselves to the typical images of the novel. The novel educated whole generations. It was an epidemic, a social mode, a school and a religion. During the period of the Neapolitan Wars, a vortex of imitative, lesser biographies formed around the central historical figure. Around Napoleon's biography, biography without reproducing it in every detail, of course, but playing variations on a theme. In La Rouge and La Noire, Sandel told one of the, these imitative biographies, if originally the person or persona of the novel were unusual, gifted people, the opposite could be noted as the European novel began to decline. Then the ordinary man became the hero and the center of gravity shifted to social motivation. That is, society made its appearance as a character participating in the action, as for example, in Balzac or Zola. All, these, all this prompts conjecture about an existing link between the fate of the novel and how at a given time, the fate of personality in history is viewed. There's no need here to speak of the actual fluctuations that occur in the role of personality in history, but only about how this problem might be resolved at any given moment, insofar as such as resolution forms and nourishes the minds of contemporaries. And so the 19th century flowering of the novel is directed dependent on the Neapolitan epos, which greatly heightens the stock value of personality in history. And though Palsic and Sendal enrich the soil for the whole French and European novel. The typical biography of the usurper and the man of his destiny, Bonaparte, was scattered by Balzac, 
though dozens of his so-called novels of success, where the basic motive force is not love but career, that is, the striving to beat one's way from the lower and middle social layers into the upper. Clearly, once we've entered the zone of powerful social movements, activities organized on a mass scale, the stock value of personality in history falls, and the power and influence of the novel fall with it. For the novel, the commonly acknowledged role of personality in history serves as a kind of pressure gauge, indicating the pressure of the social atmosphere. The measure of the novel is a human biography or a system of biographies. From his very first steps, the new novelist felt that an individual fate did not exist, and he tried to transplant what he needed from the soil it grew in, with all its roots, all its accompaniments and attributes. Thus, the novel always offers us a pattern of events, controlled by the biographical link, measured by biographical measure, and sustaining itself compositionally only insofar as it responds to the centrifugal pull of our planetary system insofar as the centripetal pull, the pull of the center on the periphery, has not decisively asserted itself over the centrifugal. One may consider Roman Rollins' book entitled Jean Christophe, the last example of the centrifugal biographical European novel, that swan song of European biography biography, with its majestic fluency and nobility of synthetic devices, which bring to mind Goethe's work, William Mister. Jean Christophe, the book entitled Jean Christophe, closes the circle of the novel. For all its contemporarity, it is an old-fashioned work. In it gathered the ancient centrifugal honey of the German and Latin races in order to create the last novel, the two races that joined in the personality of Romaine Roland were needed, and even this wasn't enough. Jean Christophe is set in motion by that very same powerful jolt of the Neapolitan revolutionary impetus, just as the whole European novel was, by way of the Beethoven-like biography biography of Christophe by way of the a continuity with the powerful figure of the musical myth, which came to birth at the same time as the Neapolitanic uh, flood time in history. What happens to the novel after this is simply a story of the dispersion of biography as a form of personal existence more than dispersion or the catastrophic collapse of biography. The sense of allotted time a man has, in which he feels he may act, conquer, love, or go under, the sense of time composed, the basic tonality of the European novel for, I repeat once more, the constitutional measure of the novel is the human biography. A human life by itself is not a biography, and provides no backbone to the novel. A man acting in the time of the old European novel appears as a pivot 
of a whole system of phenomenon that group themselves around him. Europeans are now cast out of that out of their biographies like balls from the pocket of the billet table and in the determination of their activity. As in the collision of balls on the billiard table, one principle operates, the angle of fall is equal to the angle of deflection. A man without a biography cannot be the thematic pivot of the novel, and the novel, on the other hand, is unthinkable without an interest in the fate of the separate individual, in the fabula and all, the, and all that accompanies it. Besides, the Interest in psychology, psychological motivation, the direction in which the declining novel so craftedly escaped, already sense in its coming ruin is radically undermined and discredited by the imminent impotence of psychological motives before those real forces whose willful discarding of psychological motivation becomes more cruel from hour to hour. The contemporary novel was at one and at the same time deprived both of the fabula, that is, of the personalities that act in the time belonging to it, and of psychology, because psychology no longer substantiates action of any sort. <laughs>